Welcome to the inaugural episode of the fourth season of How to Pakistan. I'm Musharraf Zedi, and I'm delighted to welcome back my dear friend, my colleague, and my co-host, Fasi Zaka. Well, thank you. We're back once again. And I've just noticed, Musharraf, you can't get out of conscription with this. So you're saying that my affected allergy is not going to get me out of national service? No, no, no. no. Third grade pneumonia will prevent it from happening. Let's not, uh, <laughs> let's not continue this line. Let's, uh, in fact, speaking of national service, let's welcome our guest today. Do you want to do the intro for this one? Because mine will be too long and too syrupy and saccharine. Sure. We have with us one of Pakistan's most brilliant politicians. She's been a foreign minister. She's had uh, amazing success. And generally, when the world looks to people to speak to, Hina uh, Rabanikar is one of the people on their speed dial because you always know you're going to get a measured, incisive, and uh, an incredibly nuanced take on things. So we're very happy mm. to have her with us today. Welcome to the show, Hina. Thank you. Thank you. Those are big words. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are big moments. Mm -hmm. In a few minutes, the prime minister is supposed to address mm. uh, the Pakistani mm. people. What... Uh, what would you tell, I mean, I was thinking about how I'm going to talk about this mm. with my son, mm -hmm. my eldest boy. Mm. How do we, I mean, I think we start at home, right? Like, mm. how do we, how do we talk to our kids about mm. what's happening? Mm. It's a difficult one. I mean, I'm uh, currently, my three kids are in Lahore. And I was thinking on those lines, because as humans, I think there is obviously that thought that comes to your mind as to how do you explain what is happening to a child and the repercussions of what is happening. But then, of course, we also have different roles where uh, the burden of responsibility uh, makes you sometimes go in a direction which may not be of your choice. And I think this is the perfect dilemma that Pakistan found itself in the early hours of yesterday morning. Um, and much as we are all, and for me, this is, uh, you know, yesterday was perhaps one of the worst days, you can say. And today happens to again be uh, not, uh, I'm not celebrating uh, what is happening at all. Okay, I'm not celebrating uh, their attack or our attack. I'm understanding that we did need to retaliate because it is our, imp and this is what we said in parliament yesterday also, because every country's sovereign integrity depends on its ability to protect what is considered to be within its geographical boundaries. Our red lines. And we used the to red talk lines about are, this, you remember exactly, the soft state absolutely. and everything. So, I mean, right at the top, right? Yeah. Like the three of us, I don't want us to all have the same position. Are you feeling like you want to disagree yet? No, I, I have a couple of questions, actually. So on my end, I'm probably in a more unusual space because uh, usually when you analyze these things, then you wonder, okay, these are the faults mm -hmm. at our end. In this particular case, mm -hmm. you've got a group that, you know, may or may have not been part of the attack. Two is that you're going to consider such a serious repercussion to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, in Mumbai and all these others, mm. they released some level of intelligence that made some effort at linking the two. In this case, mm. it's entirely absent. Mm. And you look at this action in bad faith. And uh, on a personal note, I'm also kind of proud. Is like just like the mm. stuff you've been saying mm. is that it's much more tempered here. Mm. The ability to get into the sway of 
you know, pre-war, everyone is gung-ho. on a gung-ho. They're, they've got adrenaline. They've got endorphins. They don't understand what it is. So, But I'm pretty happy with the level. I'm just talking even about ordinary people. Sure, you've got the people here and there. But my question to you is that I think the thing that I was thinking of is that we may have problems right now, at least on the international level, in terms of how we can flex our diplomatic muscles because it's become very stratified as opposed to being issue-based. Is like when you have a much uh, stronger consensus on your diplomatic position. Instead of this particular action, could have using, you know, going immediately trying to get a session on the UN, immediately, mm. rather than opposing just, uh, you know, the Indian foreign minister at the OAC, mm. but trying to call this in where mm. you've got a relatively strong mm. diplomatic case to make. Was mm. that actually a real option on the table? Okay, firstly, uh, I think uh, that is obviously always an option on the table, right? That yeah. you go, do not do kinetic, what we call military yeah. uh, reaction and have a purely diplomatic reaction, right? I think that's a choice that Pakistan has mostly taken. You remember post-Uri when they claimed a surgical strike, claimed again, allegedly, and uh, Pakistan decided to sort of show to the world that what they were claiming was not entirely correct, etc., and had a purely diplomatic uh, response. Now, I'm I'm quite sure all three of us understand the the nuance or the the difference or the distinction between an LOC crossover and an international boundary, okay? The international boundary under no international law, no matter how, you know, even if you take the uh, precedence of the United States about strikes which are preemptive, etc., this is all a figment of their imagination. It's it's a creation of their own making. It does not have any place in international law. It is not justified within UN Charter. So yeah. today, when you sit here and allow India to mess with your international boundary and to come within and make a, what they are calling a preemptive strike on a on it on a camp which did not even exist and as you said you know had they taken action post mumbai we would have perhaps been at a weaker wicket uh, at any other time but this time uh, with the excesses that have happened within kashmir i think the world at large is also seeing that this is entirely an indigenous reaction so rather than looking indigenously into the fault lines that have existed within their narrative within how the state has used terrorism within occupied Kashmir, etc. They decide to use Pakistan as a punching bag for everything that happens in India, right? And they've been doing that consistently. They've been doing that consistently. So for Pakistan not to have had a military reaction after its international border is disrespected in this way by an aggressive and a very, very dangerous India, an extremist India, I think it would have created a very dangerous precedent. And I am still mindful of the fact that this is the first shot on the escalatory ladder where we were left with no choice was clearly by India. But after today's, this morning's incident, I understand that we are now at the biggest threat of going up and up uh, the escalatory ladder, which is obviously not very... So a quick question, actually, for both of you. We're also not just India, Pakistan, I think the world is in untested waters because if you've got North Korea and America, you've got an ocean separating them. So the kind of escalation that happens is of an entirely different Mm. nature than two people who are sharing such a huge border. Again, in terms of what could be done is now that, you know, these actions have taken place, is 
what is the thinking like how do you then contain it because the whole at least argument from india side is is that there is a threshold under which things do not get worse and in their thinking the strike was it i mean hugely irresponsible but now that you know a, a retaliatory action has taken what can actually be done what can be done by whom by the world by india pakistan that you know this is not the first step of several of so, which any nightmare so i think the world has. had its chance i mean first of all the world has its chance like permanently by being interested in the kashmir problem but the world has no interest the only country that stands up for kashmir is pakistan now how much of that is pakistan's own fault that's a separate conversation and i'm i've had that conversation yeah. in the paper today but but the world had ha- had that chance and then the world had a chance yesterday after india's brazen attack on pakistan the world had a chance but what did they say pompeo said basically the us uh, supported india essentially and and i'm very clear about this and i don't think we should be spinning this cuz i'm i don't work for the state department we shouldn't be spinning what they said it was a pro india statement they basically said well done india and pakistan control yourself and control your territory the australian said this the french said this and the german said this uh i don't think i've heard anything from the uk yet but i wouldn't be surprised if they come out with something similar uh and frankly behind closed doors i wouldn't be surprised if china and russia are acting in a similar way so the world had its chance it basically left pakistan with very very limited choices from a strategic standpoint was it the right choice that's where i'm still genuinely ambivalent i think i totally see the necessity of an escalation or i wouldn't even call it an escalation because that's the wrong language it's a retaliation right and it's perfectly legitimate within the un system but is that the best thing for pakistan that is where i have a big question mark i don't know how you feel about that no no i i i feel that in a belligerent india so this is not a watch by india and you know i've been saying this i've been actually um beating that drum for the last 2 3 weeks at least that please be mindful of the fact that we do not have a reasonable person in the person of narendra modi okay this is not a vajpayee india this is not a manmohan singh india this is a belligerent extremist india where extremism has become part of state policy but they so, show off about that like they're not exactly. shy about they're it. not shy about it and today do find me because in pakistan i can find many voices which are still reasonable which are still restrained but over there frankly speaking it's almost that your existence depends on jingoism and war hysteria and everybody has to uh, sort of justify any wrong uh, or right that happens so i think in in with a belligerent india like this for them to cross this uh, musharraf look state's responsibility you see this is not i felt and and i really put myself in you know and i i i was thankful for the fact that i was not the foreign minister right because it's it's really uh, very very uh, burdensome to be in such places of responsibility we suffered that well, through salala this is the same guy this yes, is the same guy that absolutely. left behind a mess for for us you know sort of. <laughs> okay i'm going to be politically correct and perhaps say that you know in salala we uh, when you have to take these very important difficult decisions which have long term ramifications and repercussions for your country it is very burdensome right but i remember I, that that morning it was it, it's, it was it's difficult yeah, okay yeah. and you yeah. never know whether what you're doing how history would judge it whether it would be the right thing but remember one thing is clear a country's territory territorial integrity and sovereignty depends on what you can defend and that's why people like us have also always been saying that what happens within pakistan is also our responsibility and we cannot 
uh, not take responsibility for what any entities which are within Pakistan also. And, but we have 15 years of strong military operations with full political backing behind us today. We cannot do everything at the same time, right? So Pakistan had its poor area of judgment or period of judgment. Now we are trying to bloom and trying to come in the white, right? We expect the world to stand by us and to be understanding of the fact that we cannot do everything at the same time. And then I think when the Prime Minister made that statement and speech and said that we are really willing to work on credible intelligence, this time I agree with Fassi completely. There was literally, forget credible intelligence, there was literally mum from their side in terms of any evidence. Well, the only thing we know is this kid's video. That, that is mm, the only exactly. sort of claim. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, Jash, ha to, to this day, mm. hasn't actually said anything. Mm. The, 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 the Jash that is clearly mm. in Pakistan. But, you know, let me play, uh, although I don't want mm. to, you know, I always want to sort of play uh, a measured and, and middling kind of equilibrium. But let me, in this conversation at least, play the devil's advocate and say, I mean, let's go back to this, this issue of Jash mm. and the issue of LET. And I would actually... Given, especially mm. given our experience, mm. uh, when mm. when when we were at the foreign office, the the Haqqani network, mm. we have become a formal state structure mm. that is about defending ourselves and lawyering for them. Mm. I mean, it is a mm. unmitigated disaster for a country that has more potential, I think, than any Muslim mm, country on the planet, absolutely. and actually any country on the planet, period. Given our geographical location, given the youth bulge in this country, given how brilliant every Pakistani seems to be everywhere except yeah. Pakistan. All this potential has been put in the dock so that Haqqani Network, L.E.T., and Jaish Muhammad have not, uh, are not disturbed. But no, I, I mean, I, I agree with you absolutely. I think one of the gravest dangers that I usually see is that when you view politics as a nation only from a very narrow security prism that is predicated on certain aspects of security. The problem with security is that security is much wider. It includes things that are ancillary. It includes even culture. It includes literature, all these things all facilitate both a healthy nation and ultimately security. In this particular case, the problem that I have is that the narrative that we have, and I agree, like 15 years taking action, it's incredibly difficult. You've had effectively a contained war within the country. But the problem is that, okay, when it comes to Jamaat al-Dawa, I see the difficulty in acting against them. They're much wider. They have a people network as well. They have a charity wing. And if you go to some areas, it's going to be harder to contain. But groups like Jash, for example, who, by the way, have attacked a Pakistani head of state on a number of occasions. They are, even if they have handlers, they're also known to do their own thing. That is a huge security threat to this country because depending on whatever the situation is in the future, if there is any unsanctioned op, anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm now even looking at it from a, like a very cynical perspective, like just from a command and control perspective. It's a huge security threat. And at this stage, I mean, if you're looking at a vulnerability of why this has happened, it's partly because these groups are there. And I agree, we, we shouldn't be in the business of having a foreign ministry whose job is to 
and know, an cover ISPR. these guys, yeah, 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 to cover these guys or whatever they're doing at the time. There's a lot more challenges long term that need to be addressed. But sorry, yes. No, absolutely. You know, I could not, uh, though, even though I think this may not be the perfect time to be talking about uh, some of the internal challenges that we faced as a country. But I think uh, I'm on record, even as foreign minister, to say that we have two Indian media that we have no love lost for Hafiz Saeed, for instance, and that we are not their spokesperson. And we refuse to associate this state with any of the actions that they have taken or may take. Right. Having said that, what did we talk about before? Territorial integrity. Your sovereignty, okay? Your sovereignty requires you to take full responsibility from any and all entities that operate using your soil. You cannot be, uh, you cannot take that lightly. That's a very big burden. That is, and therefore, I think if there has been a flaw, and I do not believe, I, I truly do not believe. I'm not just saying this to be politically correct. I truly do not believe that there are any major players within Pakistan who wish to support them long term or wish to support them right oh, now. Oh, that's clear. Absolutely. Absolutely, Absolutely. clear, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a way of how, and they are proscribed organizations within Pakistan also. They have been re-proscribed again in a recent meeting. So the, 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 the flaw may be in the strategy to be able to get yourself completely out, right? I do not think we have the uh, luxury of time on our side. I, I used to always say to people, to our interlocutors and to our, um, you know, friends on uh, in different places in Pakistan, that if we were waiting for the right time, the right time passed us many decades back, right? So this is something where you have to pull the trigger. You have to ensure. Like, look, as a Pakistani, we are all proud Pakistanis. We are all proud of the services of the armed forces. Let that, let there be no doubt. We are also all very proud, though even though it's not very <coughs> fashionable to say that for what the Parliament of Pakistan has been able to achieve for Pakistan, even on the foreign policy front. And therefore, yesterday in Parliament, I took it upon myself to say that these decisions must be made with the collective wisdom of the people of Pakistan, because this thing about these things are too sensitive to be talked about within Parliament is, uh, I want to use a very undiplomatic word, which I'm not going to use, right? It's, it's, it's not correct. It's not correct. What if I promise to bleep it out and then I don't? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to take that chance. So... So, Look, so, but here's here's the question, and I think this is you know as I as I as I said, I, I mean I've written about this today. I, I really think for me actually mm, this is a very opportune mm, time to, mm, to raise mm, this issue mm, because we this is the time to really think about mm, the big picture. Mm -hmm. However, I think it's also important for other countries, and this is where I think the rubber hits the road for me. You know, going back to the question mm. of other countries, is that the U.S. Or, or France or Germany, these countries that want to compel a certain kind of behavior, have utterly failed to 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 produce that behavior from Pakistan. Mm. Why? Because Pakistan actually has a quite coherent national posture, right? Pakistan's coherence may not be nice; it may not be fun for for the French and the Germans and and the Americans in Afghanistan, and it's certainly inconvenient because. Mm. They'd rather just keep uh, supplying arms and mm. other things to mm. the Indians and taking their money. So they don't want to talk about Kashmir. But actually, if there was a conversation, mm. a serious global conversation on Kashmir, would Pakistan find it easier or harder to shut down, especially LET and Jesh? Mm. And if there was a fair treatment of Pakistan's concerns in Afghanistan, would it have been easier to shut down that Gandhi network? So I think as much as I'm, I'm very mm. clear that we need to shut them down for us. The, there is a question that needs to be posed to the P5 plus one powers, 
So what the hell are you guys doing when it comes to Kashmir? Okay. Can I? Please. Uh, yeah. I completely, much as we've always agreed, completely disagree with this line of reasoning. Okay. okay? And I think this is a line of reasoning which has not uh, produced any results for us for the last seven decades, which is a long enough time. What is the problem? You see, whether you're a person, I apply the same two rules to myself as a person when you are sort of doing, you know, whether business or interacting with people and or a state, whether you're a person or a state, relying on others to solve your problems for you is a terribly, terribly bad strategy. Okay. What we have what tried if we to use do, tactical nukes tomorrow? Is it still our problem? I think we would be exceptionally foolish to do Of course anything. we would, and we would yes. criticize that, right? Yes. But I'm saying, just take it from the perspective of what is the role and responsibility? Is it just to beat up on Pakistan? Uh, the, 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 the P5 general, plus one. The P5, look, the P5 plus one has not been very good to us, okay? Uh, and they believe we have not been very good to others. Sure. That, that's yeah. a, a moot point, right? What I'm saying is that for us to believe that someone else is going to come and solve the Kashmir problem uh, for us, that someone else is going to come and solve the, uh, or listen and, uh, you know, take care of our interests in Afghanistan, you, when, this is probably, you know, perhaps the worst of times, but also the best of times to say it, eventually it is going to be your bilateral ties within the region which are going to solve both the Afghan issue and the Kashmir issue, okay? Musharraf, you know why I find it a bit, uh, because I think many of the wrongs that we have done in our policy are stemming from this approach that others will feel pressured to solve the Kashmir issue. And we've tried to pressure them the wrong way, right? And we have a history of that. I don't think that is going to work. I think it's exceptionally important. Look, the, the, the moral authority or the case that Kashmir has today is far bigger than anything that we might have tried to do for them. Because today it is indigenous. Today, New York Times is picking it up. Washington Post is picking it up. Amnesty International is sending them warnings, etc. All of that has okay, happened. Okay, it's indigenous. Because let of, me let me let me pose. It. Let's yeah. really open up mm. this conversation, mm -hmm. right? I don't even know if should, we should be recording anymore, but it's then indigenous. We stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's indigenous. Yes. Yeah. Is the aftermath of the Pulwama attack mm. better for the people of Kashmir or worse? You know, I think it's too soon to say that. Uh, we don't know how is there any scenario in which we think that something good can come out of this for the Kashmiris given that every Kashmiri across India is fearing for their life and they're getting beaten mm -hmm. up and get, getting catcalled mm -hmm. all over India that their legitimate struggle mm -hmm. has been undermined mm -hmm. with the word terror mm -hmm. at the UN Security sure. Council resolution that was sure. passed not resolution mm -hmm. the the, mm -hmm. the the statement mm -hmm. that was passed mm -hmm. by by the, by the UN the other day uh, Jaish Muhammad is named in it. Fine, Pakistan is not named, not named in it. But if Jaish is in there, it's mm -hmm. as good as Pakistan being in there. No, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with Jaish representing Pakistan or Jaish being in there. Or, or Jaish representing Kashmir. And that's yes. my problem is that yeah. if the rest... So you have to, I'm going to present my logic again mm -hmm. because actually I hear what you're saying, mm -hmm. but I still think that there's a part of this that we're missing. If the world mm -hmm. has chosen... Mm -hmm to step back and only be interested mm -hmm. in India and South mm -hmm. Asia for mm -hmm. outcomes in Afghanistan mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. contracts in mm -hmm. India. And the people of Kashmir, mm -hmm. even as an indigenous mm -hmm. thing, mm -hmm. are going to do these kinds mm -hmm. of things. And the world is then going to come down hard on Pakistan, Pakistan. as a result of what mm -hmm. happened in Pulwama. Mm -hmm. Then what is a strategist in Pakistan supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And my re this is my gut mm -hmm. fear. And this is what's driving like real anxiety in terms of how I'm looking at the next week, month, and year, is that the Pakistani strategist is going to say, you know what, let's dig in and 
keep doing what we're doing. And mm. people like you and I mm. will will mm. will have to fight them on the one hand mm. and try to try mm. to argue with them mm. and convince them, mm. and then on the other mm. hand have to mm. present to the world, you know, the complexity of the position that mm. legitimate mm. Pakistani concerns are in. Yeah, could I just add yes, a supplementary mm. end to this question, mm. which is, so like the way you're saying is that you've got all these options and you've and and mm. I think I, I found it interesting your disagreement on what Musharraf is saying, mm. because to the extent that mm. you can answer mm. this mm. is that so the real question is that you know I've often found that when it comes to Kashmir, sometimes when we look at our more mm. outwardly policy statements mm. within Pakistan about mm. what needs to be done, mm. it's almost like saying that we need a heavier English mm. to make our case, mm. right? Mm. And, and, and the question may be is that you need new strategy, mm. you need to do things differently than mm. you've always done. And the question of digging in our mm. heels, so the policy has in some ways been, mm. I mean, with changes here and there, but it's been, there's a certain thought that is relatively constant. So my question is, is how much of all of this has been arrived at by consensus mm. that has been really debated? Mm -hmm. Or is it just, yeah. you know... Okay, great. Yeah. So the answer to both the questions happens to be the same. Because yeah. I thought which one would... Because I think, uh, honestly speaking, uh, Pakistani strategists right now or ever uh, typically do not like to look deeply enough into the repercussions <laughs> of the actions that we've taken in the past and how they've played into the reputational hazard or goodness of Pakistan. Okay, yeah. And I think today, if something is standing in the way of completely legitimizing or the the what has what, what why is it today that we have seen you know okay this morning i found it difficult to wake up because at, when my first alarm rang i saw two uh, statements from two different countries which i would choose not to name right and uh, against what is clearly an international aggression okay for them to portray it as india's counterterrorism strike it, I think this is a big, big wake-up call for people sitting on this side who should really question themselves that what is it that has enabled even an act of international um, aggression to be viewed differently by the world? What is the history of this? There is a history of this. Both of you have talked mm -hmm. about it, right? Yeah. Because I believe we have delegitimized, not legitimized, not given any... Um, uh, speed or uh, not not added to the cause by 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 do doing what we've been doing in the past, and I think it's really important to break free completely and visibly. And I I tend to believe, and I have reason to believe that we have not only started the journey of breaking free, but really have uh, you know in in spirit and in strategy format. But of course, for it to come really. Um, out loud and clear perhaps requires some more energy and time. Well, I'll tell you what else requires some more time is this conversation yes. because we've very quickly begun to run up against uh, a preset deadline. Some of our podcasts, uh, the How mm. to Pakistan podcasts, have lasted uh, over an hour. Really? Uh, mm. I think we could potentially last We could go on for two, three. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, I think one thing you've proven is that women should be running the world instead of men in this conversation. And uh, at least you, you can't say anything about this. Well, but I, India but I, is still. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I would. Uh, by the way, I do want to point out. We just I, I was just seeing on the screen the statement by the Indian foreign minister. Right. Yes, and I mean saying at least non-escalatory stuff. So let's see. I think it's. Uh, hey, let's let's hope for the best. Mm -hmm. 
thank you so much for doing this with us. Fasid, you want yes, to just... I, I just wanted to say is it's been... I really enjoyed listening to you just now. Musharraf has always praised you to the skies and he's always wanted... He's much too to kind. Be, and I still think he's undersold you, right? Oh, wow. You've been absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and I hope that more voices of sanity from both sides eventually because uh, whatever constructs we have, we're all going to have to live mm. together. Absolutely. And I think for any Indians mm. that are listening, I think maybe that we could mm. finish up on that yeah. and we'll give you the last word. But from my end, you know, uh, we love our country, but we yeah. understand that you love yours as well. Uh, instead of fanning the flames, we should be talking to each other. Uh, yeah. There can't be any concept of love in a time of war, but the idea of love is the one that's going to put out war. So, I mean, And God forbid, lastly, if there is war, there's no need to go to the gutter over it, right? It's war is inherently dehumanizing and all these man-made conventions that we've done over the past century they're worth preserving there's a big yeah i i just uh, in, in this morning as i woke up i felt the need to uh, sort of say it and I, I i tweeted about it that we must not lose focus over here okay because i do not appreciate or respect pakistanis celebrating anyone's death uh, be it on the other side i think eventually we are all uh, citizens of this region. And even in such trying times where we understand the need to retaliate, where we understand military action or having been forced to retaliate, right? Uh, I think the, the, the focus must remain that Pakistan is not in it for war. Pakistan just wants, I will use Zulfiqar Ali Bhutto's word, uh, Pakistan just wants peace with honor. Okay, so honor and peace is on the table. And we have, alhamdulillah, we have the capacity to secure that peace with honor through through the people that stand and defend our, our homeland. So, uh, salam to all the listeners. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Madam Hinata Panikar, for, for joining us. Thank you, Fassi, for many Thank things. you. He got angry at me last week because I was unavailable for a little while. But anyhow, thank you. We're we'll back. we do this again soon. Yes. Yeah, we are back for season four. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Khuda Hafiz. Khuda Hafiz. Thank you.